Title IX became law more than 40 years ago, no one knew how it would play out. Since then, the amendment, which mandated gender equity in federally funded education programs, has dramatically transformed women's sports, which in turn has changed the life experience of generations of women. Four-time Olympic medalist and Harvard Business School MBA candidate Angela Ruggiero is a case in point. A former defenseman on the U.S. women's ice hockey team, Ruggiero started her Olympic and collegiate careers in 1998, the same year women's hockey debuted at the Games and was officially recognized by the NCAA. Now a member of the International Olympic Committee and president of the Women's Sports Foundation, Ruggiero is again at the forefront, advocating for gender equity not only on the field, but also in sports leadership and management positions. You're just back from Sochi, and you carried the torch? I was able to carry the torch, actually, at opening ceremony day, which was really meaningful for yeah. me. I was in Sochi, running alongside a lot of Russians. You know, they weren't speaking English, but it didn't matter. There's the universal language of a big smile, and, you know, uh -huh. you could just see how proud everyone was that, to have the games in Russia. You've been to the previous five? Four. I competed four. in the last four. So what's it like <laughs> not competing? Like, all of a sudden, that must be kind of strange to be back in a very different kind of role. And I want to talk about what your role is now with the Olympic Committee. I went to the first game of the Olympics, uh, U.S. versus Finland. And, you know, I, I was sitting with a bunch of people, and I, I just kind of wanted to be by myself yeah. in that moment. Or it was, jump out on the ice. Yeah, it was yeah. so weird. I, I did want to be a part of the team. I definitely wanted to be out on the ice, but... You know, I kind of have to sit back and recognize what I'm doing right. now. So the Athletes Commission, um, I was elected in Vancouver. We really try to draw on what's important to the athletes and then uh, make sure that's known within the IOC. In 2004, you were named the top female college hockey player. You were one of the best student athletes in the NCAA. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how women's hockey has changed your life? When I was seven, my dad gave me a hockey stick with my brother who was six. My sister was eight. Uh, California of all places, and it that day changed my life. Through hockey, I was able to, you know, I think it helped me, gave me a lot of confidence, I think translated into my academics, then translated into, you know, the opportunity to go to Harvard as an undergrad and now here uh, at HBS. This sport, uh, you know, just this fun thing has given me so much in life. So last year marked the 40th anniversary of Title IX in the U.S., which in some ways leveled the playing field for women in sports. How do you think that's affected, you know, generations of women that have come since then? Sports, I think, for boys and girls. I mean, you talk to any guy that plays sports, and they're like, oh, you know, when I played sports, and they, and they right away, uh, I think, can, can connect to different lessons they learned. And it's the same exact thing for women. It's just we haven't had the same opportunities until – Title IX came around in 72, which, by the way, was an educational act. You know, the act itself wasn't a sports act. Mm -hmm. It was we want equal, equal opportunity to education, and sports is one means of education. You learn about yourself. You learn about teamwork. You learn about setting goals. I mean, I could go down the laundry list of the benefits of playing sports. And uh, in 72, there were 1 in 27 girls playing sports. After the 40th anniversary, we have 2 in 5. Mm -hmm. um, playing at the high school level. so And college participation has gone up over 500% since then. That's amazing. So those women, myself included, that benefited, that get the opportunity to play and get a scholarship and compete at that high level, um, I, I think there's a direct correlation with their success in, in life after. You took it beyond college. You actually played at the professional level. 
what was your time like with uh, with the Tulsa Oilers? That was amazing. <laughs> uh, my brother was playing in net actually, uh-huh. and uh, sort of started. Really? Yeah, he goes, and you're you're better than R D. You should come out and skate with us." <laughs> and uh, he had to play on Christmas Day, so I flew down to Tulsa to, to be with him because you know he didn't he didn't have Christmas with the family. And I skated with his team, and his coach invited me back, and that's sort of how it started. But um, you know, I grew up playing with the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. It was challenging. I think it pushed me, and um, to to be able to do that in my adult life, and and have my brother on the ice and net. He's a goalie, uh, like just like the good old days, uh, was a special moment for me. In addition to sports, you've accomplished some other things. Uh, you graduated cum laude from Harvard, founded a girls' hockey school. You've directed nonprofits. You appeared on The Apprentice and <laughs> was offered a job by Donald Trump, which I think is a pretty distinctive <laughs> thing that not many people can say. And you did almost all of this while you were playing competitive hockey. Um, do you take supplements? Like, how does this work? Like, how do you get the energy to do all those kinds of things? No, I... Um one interesting thing I do when I speak, I speak to a lot of university athletes. I say, who has better grades in the off-season? And no one raises their hand. Who has better grades in the in-season when they're competing? Everyone raises their hand. For me, when you have a lot on your plate, you get more done. You're more efficient with your time. You're more calculated. You, you really have to um, you know, take advantage of every minute you have. And, and I always drew strength from the things outside of sports. I always drew mm-hmm. strength when I was – you know, coaching kids in the evenings or when I was getting my, you know, I was getting a master's in the afternoon when I was training for Vancouver. Whenever I was doing something outside of sports, it it allowed me to get away and, you know, sort of park sports uh, when I left the rink. And when I came back to it, I was revitalized and really excited. And then I could give 100 um, percent mm-hmm. as opposed to being all in all the time. And, you know, I think it, it – um, it's it's too much, but I'm I'm an advocate, a huge advocate for balance in life, and balance to me is just doing a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> what does the future look like for for women's sports? I'm the president of the Women's Sports Foundation, so I've been looking at this a lot in the last year, and um, it's excitement at how far we've come, uh-huh. especially since Title IX. And we're, if we're talking about domestically in the U.S., Title IX is the single best thing that's ever happened. The Success of the women in the London games and I'm sure in the Sochi games mm-hmm. will be directly reflective of the support they get, not just from the U.S. Olympic Committee, but I think really from the NCAA. Globally, however, I think we still have a long way to go. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of pro leagues in mm-hmm. the U.S. or abroad. I think that's one area we can continue to grow. Um, but if you're just talking basic human right to participate in sports, which it is a human right, the U.N. has declared it in the last year. There's a lot of countries still that don't afford that opportunity to girls and women. And, um, you know, it isn't just about, you know, making onto boards and being a CEO. It's about having self-confidence and having, uh, you know, learning about yourself and others through sports. And so I do think I'm happy with how far we've come, but I but I also recognize there is a really long way to go, in, especially in certain countries. Sports here is connected in a very visceral way uh, to the educational experience. Um, talk about how it might be different in places like China. So our model is very different from the rest of the world, to be quite honest. Um, boys and girls here grew up playing grassroots. Their parents are supporting them. Um, sport isn't directly part of our government either, whereas Mm. the rest of the world, sports and government go hand in hand. The government supports programs at the grassroots level and all the way up through the Olympic level. Mm -hmm. 
we tie sports and education, as you said. You know, if you're a great athlete and your sport is an NCAA sport, you're going to get a great education. You're going to get a scholarship. I don't know how many parents come to me. That's, you know, it isn't the Olympics. It's how do I get my kid a scholarship? Yeah. That's one huge benefit that we have here in the U.S. Um, people say, how did you do both? And I said, well, I got to play sports and develop as an athlete, but I also got to develop my brain and be a mm -hmm. student. Um, and so that student-athlete combo is very different um, from the rest of the world where if you're, an, if you're exposed to be a really good athlete at a young age, they, they almost assist you in becoming a better athlete, but at the expense of your education. And they're, so they're very separate. Um, and so that's one, one thing I've seen in, in, if you say, China or Korea or other parts of the world that have great athletes. Those athletes most of the time aren't able to be in a system that they can also get a good education. So at the IOC, that's one thing the Athletes Commission is really trying to do is figure out how do we create an athlete career program so that these athletes that don't get an education, maybe, they, maybe they, they're able to get through high school what kinds of jobs can they look for after they're done competing at the elite level of sport? Mm -hmm. Angela Ruggiero, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You can find all episodes of this podcast at hbs.edu slash thebusiness. We're also on SoundCloud, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes U.